It's a, it's a wonderful pleasure to be able to introduce uh, someone as our guest speaker that all of you know. <laughs> so uh, whatever I say, you could say the same thing. But uh, let, me let me just say that we are so happy to have Frank and Linda Ward with us today. Uh, they are truly one of us. They are truly one of us. Uh, Frank grew up in this church, was a member of the youth group. Uh, Frank's somebody that I always looked up to. And uh, I, don't think that, uh, I don't think I could have picked uh, a better idol. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, Linda, wonderful woman, uh, truly giants in our faith. Uh, Frank left here. Came, went into the ministry while he was a member here and went to work for the Board of Christian Education uh, at the Cumberland Presbyterian Denominational Center and uh, rose to be the top Christian educator in our denomination. We have had some wonderful Christian educators and leaders in our denomination, but in my opinion, Frank was the best. And I want to, uh, A plus, A plus. Uh, you know, uh, somebody erroneously wrote that you can never go home again. I don't think that's true. Frank, we're so happy to have you here back home. Uh, so I will yield the pulpit to you. We welcome you. Thank you, Charlie. It's rarely, rarely ever that anyone ever says they look up. <laughs> to me, you're, you're very kind, Charlie. <laughs> yes, and uh, to paraphrase one of my favorite singers of all time, John Denver, one of his songs, Ain't it good to be back home again? This old church seems like a long-lost friend. Hey, it's good to be back home again. Let us pray. I feel embarrassed, oh God, to be standing here in this place to speak today. I use words so carelessly so often. I'm not worthy. And I suspect if we were true, we would say that we feel a little embarrassed to be called upon to listen because we're so hard of hearing so often. But in our unworthiness, O oh God, break through to us in these moments. Crack open to us the gospel in ways that maybe it's not been cracked open before and help us see a glimpse of what it means to be your servants in the name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Amen. In my uh, more than 74 years, I have never ever lived in a time where there is so much division, not only in the world, but in our own country. I stand here today to say to you that I am a Republican, 
and some of you will love me, and some of you will be suspicious of me. I stand here this morning to say I'm a Democrat. Some of you will love me, maybe a few. Some of you will be suspicious. I could say I'm an independent, and you would say you don't stand for anything, but you'll fall for anything. <laughs> I've never, ever lived in a time that I have unfriended so many people on Facebook. <laughs> Families somehow or another can't sit down at table and talk anymore, especially about politics and even religion. So in this divided world, I look for hope, and I hope you do too, because the hope comes in a challenge. It's a challenge that Paul gave to the church at Rome, in Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. Paul lays down a guide for Christian living. If you take it seriously, New Hope Community in Columbus is going to change. Maybe your family will change a little. This is what it says. Be sincere in your love of others. Hate everything that is evil and hold tight to everything that is good. Love each other as brothers and sisters, and honor others more than you do yourself. Never give up. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve the Lord. Let your hope make you glad. Be patient in time of trouble and never stop praying. Take care of God's needy people. And welcome strangers into your home. Ask God to bless everyone who mistreats you. Ask him to bless them and not to curse them. When others are happy, be happy with them. When they are sad, be sad. Be friendly with everyone. Don't be proud and feel that you are smarter than everyone else. Make friends with ordinary people. Don't mistreat someone who has mistreated you but try to earn the respect of others and do your best to live at peace with everyone. This, my friends, is the word of God for the people of God. Lauren Isley was a, a chemist, a botanist, a philanthropist, a writer, a professor. In a time in his life when he felt a little melancholy, he decided to get away from it all, and he found a little villa off the coast of Costabel in England. One night as he was there, a ferocious storm hit Costabel. Winds were coming in at Hurricane force, limbs and trees were swaying. They began to beat against the roof of his cabin. 
he stayed there in the midst of all of it. And then the still came after the storm. Everything calmed down. The wind stopped blowing. And he decided before dawn that he would get out and experience that part of nature. And so he went out and he started walking down the shoreline and he could see in the distance some light and he couldn't quite figure out what was going on. There were several lights and he uh, was sort of mesmerized by it and he kept walking and walking and walking toward the light and as he got closer, he saw what was going on. There were people who were running over, bending over in the ground, coming over and there were these fires built with vats and they were putting these things over into these vats. And as he got closer, he discovered what they were doing was that they had water boiling in these vats over the fires. And they were running along the shoreline where the creatures had washed in during the storm, picking them up, dumping them into the vat so they could boil the life out of them. And then they could package them and sell them to the likes of us. Beautiful seashells. He watched them for a minute, and then he began to think, these people are collectors. They collect things, and then they wash the life out of them. Life is like that, he thought. So much of our lives we spend collecting things and squeezing the life out of them. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it is stuff, it's things. Linda and I live in a small town of 10,000 people, and at an intersection not far from where we lived, about two years ago, someone came in and built storage facilities where people could store stuff. Do you know that they had rented every store room before they even opened since then, in two years, they have tripled in size. Somehow or another, we like to collect stuff. And it's strange that sooner or later, the stuff is stuffed off somewhere else. You know what it's like. Uh, if you've ever bought a new car, you know how excited you are for this new automobile until somebody scratches the side of the door, and then it's an old trap. You know, the, the new is worn off. Lauren Isley thought people can be collectors. And as he walked on down the shoreline, he saw another something happening. There was this figure as dawn began to break who was running along the shoreline picking up something. And as he got closer, he saw that it was a man, an old man, who was going along the shoreline and he was picking up something, throwing them back into the ocean. And as he got nearer and nearer, he was picking up starfish that had washed ashore and he was tossing them back in the ocean. Lauren got closer to the old man. The old man acted as if no one else was there. He kept picking up these starfish out of the sand throwing them back into the ocean. In a little while, he broke the silence, and he said to Lauren, are you a collector? Lauren said, I used to be. 
he kept picking up these starfish, throwing them back into the ocean. And then he said, some of them will live, you know. Some of them will live. If the gospel presents nothing else to us this morning, it says that you have a choice in life, my friend. You can be a collector or you can be a star thrower. You can squeeze life out of stuff and people or you can give up your life to help somebody. There was, I read a story about uh, something that happened in Cleveland, Ohio, not long ago. You may have seen it too. Uh, the police got a call from an apartment complex that there was a homeless man sleeping in the entryway of the apartment. Jose Sadalua was one of the policemen. Now, I don't know what storm had washed this homeless man ashore. I suspect he lost his job. I suspect he lost his home. And probably as a consequence, he lost his family. Maybe he lived out of his car a little while, I don't know, until he lost that. Now the storm in his life had washed him in the entryway of an apartment building. And Jose is one of three policemen that showed up there. And they didn't arrest him. They didn't take him in. It was 15 degrees outside. The man had no shoes. Jose took his shoes off and gave them to the homeless man. And they took him to a shelter. You see... You can be a collector or you can be a star thrower. And I suspect you've had a star thrower in your life, maybe more than one. I saw another star thrower. Uh, his name is Jeremy Jones. He appeared in the newspaper a couple of weeks ago. He has a regular job, but now and then he dresses up like a superhero, and he goes to St. Jude Children's Hospital or Labonner Children's Hospital and entertains the young patients there. Does that frequently. His wife is a nurse at St. Jude's. She had a close friend who had a storm that had washed him ashore. His kidneys were failing, and he needed a transplant. Jeremy Jones, later this month, will be on his way to New York City to give this stranger to him one of his kidneys because he's a star thrower. He's a star thrower. Cliff showed up at the Cumberland Presbyterian Youth Conference Quite a few years ago, a teenager from Houston, Texas. I remember well, it was 1980 because our Bible study leader, Bill Ramsey, 
had decided to call around several different people and ask them what they foresaw for the decade of the 80s. And one of the persons he called, he said, I'd like to record our conversation and use it in my Bible study with a youth conference. And uh, this person said, uh, where is this conference? And he said, uh, Nakomi Conference Center, down close to Centerville, Tennessee. And she said, uh, close to Grinder Switch? And he said, yeah, you know. And she said, no, I will not give you an interview. But I'd be glad to come down. So here she appears at the Cumberland Presbyterian Youth Conference, she gets to the microphone, and she says, Howdy! I'm just so proud to be here. She wasn't in her costume and didn't have her hat with a price tag on it. Cliff had been to the conference before, and I knew Cliff's story. Cliff was a lonely young man. He grew up in a home with two parents who were brilliant geniuses. One worked for NASA, the other was a professor. Cliff told me one time, do you know my mother or my dad have never ever told me they love me? They were brilliant in mind, but terribly lacking in heart. I'm not sure they even knew how to love. But Cliff showed up at that conference and he pulled up his sleeve and he showed me three scars across his wrist. And he said, I've tried to kill myself. Obviously, he wasn't successful. And obviously, he wasn't trying to kill himself. He was trying to get his parents' attention. And he didn't know how to do it. And with this storm welling up in his life, he shows up at this youth conference. And Minnie Pearl, Margaret Cannon, from Nashville, Tennessee, who grew up at Grinder Switch nearby, somehow or another, after she spoke to the group, Strange, it was like a magnet had drawn her to Cliff. I don't know what, but I looked and saw off close to the creek, Minnie Pearl and Cliff from Houston standing by themselves. And I just watched, and they talked, and she listened. I have never, ever in my life met another person whose faith was as strong as Minnie Pearl's. But I tell you that after that conversation, and as she left, the lights went on in his eyes. And he suddenly began to see himself as a person of worth. Maybe for the first time, I don't know. It was a miracle of God. I, that's all I can say. Because many Pearl didn't collect attention that day, she tossed a starfish caught up in a storm 
back into the ocean. I bet you've had a star thrower in your life, haven't you? You probably can name them if you think real hard. Somebody who, who somehow or another put you back on course, who took what was broken and somehow began to, to, to make it right. I was ordained to the ministry back in the uh, thriving 60s where there were flower children and hippies, where there was assassination of a president and of a president-to-be, where there was assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr. We had just moved to uh, McNary County, Tennessee. I was pastoring a church there, going to seminary. I was asked to be director of youth work in our presbytery, and our presbytery was made up of about 30 churches, Ministers are members of Presbytery. They aren't members of congregations. And uh, I took our planning group from the Presbytery to our National Youth Conference, and we met some young people from the Second Cumberland Presbyterian Church then. Now it's the Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America, the predominantly black Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And so the young people said, wouldn't it be great if we together had retreats. That's what we were doing then. Every fifth Sunday, I was off, and so we had retreats. And so we went to Presbytery and asked for permission. Yes, this is the 60s, the Civil Rights Movement, to integrate our youth ministry program. The motion passed by one, and that's all we needed. So we had our first youth conference that was united. At least physically was united. Before long, I got notice that Presbytery was having a call meeting to consider having joint ministry with the Second Common Presbyterian Church. Some of those who were disgruntled and thought that blacks and whites should not be together at a campsite had reared their heads and Presbytery met. That's the only other time that I experienced this unity, not like we experience today. They asked that Presbytery rescind its action and that we no longer allow young people to gather together of races other than white at our conference center. It was defeated by one vote. One vote. That's all it took. But people were so angry who opposed that that the Presbytery said, in order to appease this group, We'd like for the Board of Christian Education of the Presbytery, of which I was a member, to hold a meeting to hear the concerns these people have. Fine and good. The Sunday afternoon came for the meeting in Selmer, Tennessee. I was vice chair of the Board of Christian Education. The chairperson, for some strange reason, didn't show up. So I'm chairing a meeting of people 
who are angry as hell at Frank Ward. <laughs> and in the midst of the meeting, well, let me say, I had three elders from the church I pastored at that meeting who were opposing me. In the midst of the meeting, one member, a minister of a church three miles from where I served, stood up at the back of the church, and he shook his finger at me, and he said, Frank Ward, if you don't take a motion to Presbyterian to rescind its action, I'll have your hide. And people clapped. You talk about storm. I have never experienced a storm like that in my life. We went home devastated. A young man in the ministry just started seminary. I, we spent two days in hell. Late the second day, there's a knock on our door. Gene is standing there. Gene is 72 years old then. His son and his brother were in the meeting against me. Gene took something out of his pocket, and he said, Isla and I just got back from vacation, preacher, and we just want you to have an early Christmas present. We had some traveler's checks left over. And he stuck them in my hand, and he left. He didn't know it, but this star thrower turned the storm around in my life because I tell you, I was that far from saying to hell with the church. If this is what church is about, God is not calling me to the institutional church. Except this star thrower showed up at our door. It was in August with an early Christmas present. No, it wasn't the traveler's checks. It was the face of Christ. Throw in this old starfish that had been washed up back into the ocean. And I've been in that ocean for 50 years now. I bet you've had star thrower in your life too. In fact, I absolutely know it. Now, it may be a person, and it may be something very little, but somewhere someone has turned your life around. There may have been some storm in your life, some brokenness in your life, and some gesture somebody made turned you around. Because, you see, we have this choice in life. Those of us who are called after the name of Christ, which is a a terribly frightening call. We can either be collectors or we can be star throwers. That's it. We can be collectors or we can be star throwers. We can hate others, especially those who mistreat us. But if you're called after the name of Christ, you're happy with those when they're happy and you're sad when they're sad. And you take care of God's 
needy people. And there are no strangers if you're called after the name of Christ. And the reason I know for sure that you've had a star thrower in your life, if you've encountered the supreme star thrower of all, strung up like a scarecrow on a piece of wood, you've had a star thrower who somehow or another took the brokenness in the relationship between you and God and somehow or another turned it around. Are you a collector? Well, I used to be. Some of them will live, you know. Some of them will live. Maybe because of you. Thanks be to God. Amen.